The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina, and as always, I am joined by curler extraordinaire, my talented co-host, Scott Chu. How's it going, Scott? Not bad. I mean, part of that is true. I do curl, but I'm neither talented nor uh, nor an extraordinaire. <laughs> it's been it's been a lot of fun up in uh, at the Leelanau Curling Club. It's it's great. They got two little sheets. They've got a bar and restaurant attached right to it. So you get all your needs in. You get your beer, you get your curling, you're good to go. Um, but it also means I'm recording this from a hotel room with a uh, $15 Xbox chat headset that I picked up at the local Meyer because I forgot my stuff. Oh, I forgot my good headphones and then my computer's acting up. So this is on my phone. I've actually got my phone leaning against the box for the headset. So I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a real pro now doing this for like from a hotel room with like just cobbled together uh, equipment. It, it feels very legit. I, I feel great. <laughs> That's the life of a fantasy analyst, right? I mean, I, I've written articles in hotel rooms, recorded podcasts as well. I appreciate the effort. And like you said, I mean, we're really working it to, to get this done. So appreciate the effort, man. Oh, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, uh, I'm, I know I'm on vacation, but this is what I do for fun. You know, so <laughs> it still works. Yeah. And to give you a reference point, we're recording this podcast on Saturday afternoon, April 24th, or about 3.30 Eastern time. And let's just get started. I mean, Scott, we've been treated to some really good baseball uh, in these first few weeks, right? Uh, last night, Jacob deGrom, 15 strikeouts, contributes two hits in, in a victory. Uh, you know, he's not getting any run support from Mets hitters, so he might as well help himself out. Yadier Molina, five home runs already on the season, batting 344. I mean, it's been a fun season so far. We even almost saw a no-hitter. J.A. Happ got, I think, into the seventh inning last night before giving up a hit. How about those old guys? You yeah. know? <laughs> that's that's what I love to see. We talk, you know, especially in the spring, we're always talking about the young guys. We'll talk about some young guys here in just a little bit, but it's really cool to see some of the vets really yeah. come out and do big stuff. And I think the one sat line that jumped out to me was like Jacob deGrom, you know, 15 strikeouts, a career high for a second. I was always like, is it really, he doesn't have like a, more than that. And I was like, Oh yeah, 15 is a lot. That's a yeah. whole lot of strikeouts. So, um, I mean, there's very few sure things in baseball, but Jacob deGrom is one of them. Absolutely. And let's just get right into it. Uh, Mike Trout is one of the surest things in baseball, and he is out of the lineup Friday and Saturday 
left elbow contusion, hit by a pitch, believed to be a short-term injury, but he's always in the lineup. So whenever he's not in the lineup, it's like a shocker, isn't it? And Angels brought up Scott Shebler, former 30-home run guy, Angel Stadium, low-key home run hitting park, but doesn't look like it's going to be anything too long-term for Trout, but just always a shocker when he's not in the lineup. Yeah, Shebler uh, used to be on the Reds. He's uh, he's a decent like power only guy, but at this point he's really more of just like a platoon power only guy. They grabbed him because they've had injuries in their outfield sort of all season. You know, Justin Upton still trying to stay healthy, things like that. So you're right. I don't think this is a long term injury. The one news about Trout that really jumps out to me is. You know, there's sort of this uh, funny old saying in fantasy baseball is that, you know, that stats are starting to stabilize when Mike Trout is on top of the leaderboards. And sure enough, Mike Trout is on top of a bunch of uh, on a bunch of the leaderboards. So, you know, that things are starting. Things are starting to normalize. We're not there yet for every stat, but many of them are starting to look the way they should because Mike Trout's at the top. Dinelson Lamette made his season debut on Wednesday against the Pirates. I was all excited because I rostered him on two teams. It had lasted all but 29 pitches. Padres manager Jace Tingler said, Lamette feels very, very good. Okay, Jace, if you say so. <laughs> said that on Thursday, the day after uh, Lamette exited his season debut due to tightness in his right forearm. He's on the 10-day IL, and the Padres kind of playing it like it's going to be a minimum stay on the IL. Uh, he's already had one Tommy John surgery back in 2018. Last September, had that sore elbow, went through the platelet-rich plasma therapy. And the thing that surprised me, Scott, is no MRI. Very strange. Doctors check him out, did ultrasound, didn't find any inflammation, but Padres just kind of don't want to hear the bad news. I mean, MRI seems like almost automatic with this case, no? Yeah, usually, and assuming, you know, their their doctors are doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, on one hand, it's telling, right, that they're not making him get an MRI. And, and you know, Lamette is a long-term asset, so they are thinking about the future for him. They don't have – I mean, they really could use him right now. But, you know, it's interesting. The San Diego Union-Tribune mentioned that he could be back as early as May 2nd, right? Now, I think the one thing I want to say about that and to steal a term from the big boss, Nick Pollock, is that's an ILH. I actually have Lamette on a roster, and he was not in my starting lineup. It was a weekly league, and I was like, you know, I can't risk it because what if it's short or what if it's bad, right? Because he's not been pitching much, and I kind of feel like his arm always hurts. Like every time we talk about Denelson Lamette, it's about him striking out lots of guys and that his arm hurts. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with him. I think, you know, a lot of the questions are going to be about the folks that could continue to stay in that rotation. I think, you know, the one obviously that's on people's mind is Ryan Weathers. He had that excellent outing against the Dodgers. He's having a really good season so far, obviously, and I don't want to just say like, oh, regression is coming because number one, you know, mathematical like the mathematical form of regression is always coming, right? It's always coming. The problem is we don't actually know what people will regress to because as skills change, so does the point to which players will regress. Now with Weathers, I mean, I don't use this stat a lot, even though it's not necessarily a bad one, but BABIP, right? It jumps out to me for him because it's 0.97. He has a 0.097 BABIP. That's nuts. Now, some of that is earned. He is throwing good pitches. He's in, you know, he's inducing weak contact, but that's really bad. <laughs> like that's crazy. Um, and, and so, you know, with, with him, the thing I'm looking at is that XERA and that says 3.67. That's really encouraging. Now he is a two pitch guy, right? He is just, 
fastball slider. He's not, he's not like throwing a multitude of pitches. Uh, and his strikeout rate was a little bit lower in the minors, like slightly less than a strikeout in inning. So I do think he can be a decent starter, but I wouldn't expect him to go deep into games with just those two pitches. You really don't want to let a guy see a third right. at bat against a two pitch pitcher, but right. that doesn't mean he can't be good. And I think that's the one thing I want to say, just cause you have two pitches doesn't mean you can't be good. It just probably right. means you're not going to go very deep. Right. 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 Uh, and then of course, that's one guy that people are sort of excited about, much more excited about Mackenzie Gore, number two prospect in baseball behind Wander Franco. Uh, and he's got four pitches, right? Mid-90s fastball. And he's definitely the next guy up. Like, I think Weathers has earned that that last spot. He'll be the next one up, unless, of course, Nelson Lamette is OK and nobody else gets hurt, which <laughs> I hope they don't. Right. So, right, right. you know, that's the thing with Gore is I do think he's someone that you can stash, but you've got to have a deep enough bench for this because you can't put him on an IL spot because he's healthy. He's just not in the majors. And if you're in like those uh, NFBC style leagues, you have to have had a lot of luck until now to stash him because it might be a while. Right. Mm-hmm. The the Padres, you know, they've been struggling a little bit, but their pitching hasn't been atrocious. And there's a lot of talent in that, you know, in that rotation. So. They want to bring him up, but I don't. I also don't think they're going to force it. Right. So it, it's just hard to tell when that's going to happen. With those NFBC leagues, also, I, I believe if you if he wasn't drafted on draft day, since he didn't play at all, he's not even available, right? That's absolutely I, correct. That's and the rule. Yeah, and there's no YL in right. the NFBC leagues, so that's a tough one. So like TGFBI and stuff like that's, yeah. that's tough. most leagues have IL. Most leagues have full players, you know, full player sets available. He'll be out there. Uh, of course, worth a stash, but oh, I yeah. also recognize that, especially in like a 10 or a 12 teamer and you've already filled up that IL and you need all those bench spots, you might have to pass. Like, even though I think everyone could get a benefit from Mackenzie Gore, you're roster construction and the luck you've had with injuries so far might make it so that you just can't take this shot. Right. And good point about weathers with the two pitchers might not work deep into games. I do like the fact that he's a control pitcher, 1.7 walk per nine in his minor league career. So that helps a little bit, but you're right with two pitches, probably not going to get around that lineup more than twice. And uh, Mackenzie Gore, their top prospect, did have a little control issue at the Padres alternate training site last year. That's I, I believe that's why he didn't see any action in, in 2020. But another pitcher who is no stranger to the IL, Steven Strasburg, hits the IL with right shoulder inflammation. Uh, rough start to his season, seven runs, seven walks in his first 10 innings pitched this season that covers two starts. Has lost just under two miles per hour of velocity since uh, 2019. Uh, then a, a TV camera this week, I think, or, or last week, was filming in the tunnel behind the Nationals' dugout, showed him rubbing between his neck and right shoulder. Is it a big deal? Who knows? I mean, he's, he's a pitcher. He's you know, rubbing his shoulder or whatnot. But, of course, it was a little controversial. But uh, Nats having some starting rotation woes. John Lester hasn't made his debut yet. Had uh, thyroid surgery in the spring. Still getting stretched out after being on the COVID-19. Patrick Corbin pitching to a 10.95 ERA. Joe Ross gave up 10 runs in his last start. The only sure thing there is Max Scherzer, right? Four starts, 1.8 ERA, 33 Ks in 25 innings. Yeah, Mad Max is a monster. Right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to worry. Like, the only time I'm going to worry about him is when he says he's going to retire. And then I'm going to worry that he might retire, right? He's just an intense competitor. Love Max Scherzer. I mean, the biggest thing right now in Washington is that nothing's going right. They're having struggles with the bat. They're having struggles with pitching. It's really tough to see. And while I don't have a lot of 
insight to give you on Steven Strasburg because, you know, he probably pitches more than you think he has based on his injury reputation, but he does miss time regularly. This is something that you had to know was going on. All you can really do is keep your ear to the ground, figure out what the noose is going to be and go from there. We know that when he's healthy, he will pitch and he'll pitch pretty well. He struggled a little bit so far, but I mean, even Patrick Corbin, right? That 10 something ERA, that's yeah. a big improvement over what it was, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it was, it was, you know, darn near triple digits. So, you know, it's, it's real rough in, in Washington. And, you know, it's one of those things in baseball where when it rains, it pours. A lot of times you'll see that when teams start struggling in one area, they start struggling in multiple areas and things just feel like they're crashing in around them and they can turn around. And I think the best example of this is Oakland, right? They started out 0-6 and looked putrid. They looked terrible. And you looked at that rotation. You said, how is this team ever going to win games? And then they go and win a whole bunch in a row. Right. So things can turn around fast. And this is true for individual players as much as it is for teams. But right now, we all just have to sort of be honest with ourselves and say it looks really bad in the Capitol right now. Yeah. Uh, another guy hitting the IL for the Marlins, Starling Marte, cracked rib. Uh, basically, you know, I was a little surprised. They've got such a great form system in terms of developing their starting pitching. Uh, I'm looking at Lewis Brinson, Magnery Sierra. Monty Harrison, Jesus Sanchez, it's really nobody that they could just punch in right there and just take his spot. But hopefully, uh, I mean, ribs injuries could be a little tricky, but uh, hopefully it won't be a long stay for him. Yeah, and they have what they've got is a bunch of athletes who can't hit. <laughs> it's it's really tough. I mean, you, you got Brinson Sierra is crazy fast, mm-hmm. but he doesn't hit well, right? So unless you're in a very deep like NL only league, I don't care about those guys. I think the real the real thing that comes out of this from a fantasy news perspective is that between you know that injury and others for the Marlins, John Birdie is going to see a lot of time, yeah. and he has value in a lot of formats. He's very versatile, steals a bunch of bases, hits okay. So, I mean, that's the guy that he's, he might be rostered in your league. But uh, if he's not, that's the one that I'm really looking at for this. I don't really care about those other outfielders that they're going to call up because they can't hit. Right, right. Let's skip over to another big name who's on the IL. We just got some news on him today. And like I said, we're uh, recording this on Saturday the 24th. Christian Yelich. Uh, He's been on the IL due to a back injury. According to the Brewers, he's reached a plateau in his treatment. He's going to undergo an MRI in order to get more specific information about the nature of the injury and uh, what other treatment options are available to him. Through nine games, batting 333, no home runs, one RBI. Billy McKinney, former first-round pick, has been filling in for him so far, batting 275, three homers in his first 43 at-bats this season. Uh, as I mentioned, was drafted in the first round by the A's back in 2013. First, just your feelings on, on Yelich and uh, any interest in McKinney in a deeper league. So with the back injury, you know, again, anecdotal backs are tough. They are. I mean, modern medicine even has a very hard time treating the back. That's why things like, you know, chiropractors are still around and still you know, sort of seen with good because science does, you know, our traditional medicine just doesn't have a lot of success dealing with the back. So I am glad that they're, you know, they're telling us information. And as fantasy analysts and as fantasy players, information is the one thing we can get. We, we basically mine for it. Right. And the Brewers are giving it to us. They're telling us he's reached a plateau in his treatment. He's looking for more information. 
to me, this is neither bad nor good news in terms of when he might return. It's just news. At least I know what the heck is going on. So mm-hmm. that's a plus. As far as McKinney goes, again, deep league stream, that's fine. Maybe he's a late bloomer, but we don't have a ton of information to go on yet. He was He's not been impressive in the past. To me, the big sort of thing for this is a guy who I really like that I've talked about a lot, and that's Avi Garcia. Right now, his numbers don't look great uh, on the surface, but when you dig a little deeper, you see that 56.5% hard hit rate, 15.2% barrel rate, a 318 expected batting average, 634 expected slugging. Now, I'm not saying he's going to hit those things, but when you see that kind of disparity, the one thing you're looking at is that's bad luck. He's Mm -hmm. getting unlucky and he's going to get luckier, right? Like we don't know when, but he's going to. No doubt about it. So he's hitting the ball really well. He's sitting right in the middle of that order. And I bet a lot of folks who picked him up in the beginning have cut him because the numbers have been bad. But if you just dig a little deeper, you'll see that underneath the surface, things are really good. To me, that's that's really the the play. I'm going to look for every league where someone dropped Garcia because he was owned in, in quite a few leagues. So if he's been dropped, you need to go get him. Yeah, rostership uh, has been going up, but I think it kind of plateaued. And you're right, this might be a week where you could look to uh, see if he has been dropped. So uh, just quick notes on Key Brian Hayes, third baseman for the Pirates, suffered a bit of a setback with his wrist injury, so he re-aggravated it. But, and uh, Zach McKintry, we are talking about him last week, out on the I.L. with a right oblique strain, and uh, joins Cody Bellinger, Gavin Lux, on the I.L. Chris Taylor's been sidelined with some back stiffness, too. Maybe we get to see a little bit more. Of Edwin Rios, as the Dodgers are forced to reshuffle their lineup. He started on Friday night at first base, uh, took an 0-4, but talented guy, obviously. A lot of power, and, you know, as unlucky as the Dodgers have been, you know, they don't need luck. They've just got ridiculous depth on that team. The one real bummer is for a guy like McKinstry, because that team is so deep, because they have so many options, he was going to need to keep hitting. And the worst thing for him wouldn't have necessarily been a slump because it, when you're slumping, teams will look for things. They'll try to help make you better. Uh, the worst thing that could have happened is that he's out of the lineup mm-hmm. because now someone else gets a chance to shine. Right. And he might not be back. You know, if he doesn't come back yet and then Chris Taylor starts playing, and he starts playing well again. He'll get those at bats. Right. right? So, so that's what's tough. I think if you have McIntyre and you have an open IL spot, I think you ought to hold him. But at the same time, that's what I'm going to be looking for. Like, how are those, you know, what feels like a thousand other infield outfield guys that the Dodgers have? If one of them steps up, they could easily be the new Zach McKinstry. And that's what's frustrating. And you're kind of you're kind of stuck. There's nothing you can do about it. Just kind of kind of wait and see and hope that he can come back quick and pick up where he left off. Right. Good point. All right, so uh, let's move on. It, uh, like I said, we're recording this on Saturday, the twenty fourth, Oscars weekend. There, uh, Scott, uh, are you a big movie guy? Um, not, you know, I used to watch them quite a bit. A, a guy I knew in college was a huge like film nerd, so we went, we watched like all the best picture winners from like the last decade, all that stuff. But, but since then, I, I, I just love my animated comedies so much, The Simpsons, Futurama, Bob's Burgers, that. You know, that takes up all my my watching time. And I it's hard for me to, you know, with with my ADHD and whatever, it's hard for me to sit still for two and a half hours for the yeah. for the modern movie. So I'm the same way when it comes to movies. You know, I mean, first of all, just actually go into the movie theater. I mean, obviously, we've been in a pandemic, so movie theaters have been closed and now they're starting to reopen. But 
I find it hard to just sit there for two hours, two and a half hours, three hours, watch a movie, have somebody behind me opening up a bag of candy and just annoying me with the, the, the noise of it, you know, <laughs> just like, but, you know, the, the last movie I actually saw was on HBO Max, Godzilla vs. Kong. I was a big uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla fan when I was a kid. But in the past, recent past, me and my wife had tried to watch, you know, all the Oscar nominees, but we didn't get a chance to this year. The only one I saw was Judas and the Black Messiah, which is uh, nominated for six, six Oscars. Very good movie. But uh, you know, And also these new theaters. I don't know if you've been to the new theaters where they're just so comfortable that you could recline in them. I, I fall asleep in them, so it, it doesn't pay for me to go to a movie. <laughs> I just can't deal with, you know, they give me a bucket of pop. And I can't pause the movie for when I have to pee. Like that's that to me is the problem. Like I'm going to miss like five minutes of this movie because I've got a bucket of pop and I'm just going to keep drinking it. So so you mentioned The Simpsons and I meant to tell you this before because I did just, you know, quick Google search on curling. And I'm sure you've seen it. There's a, a curling episode. Did you know that The Simpsons have a curling episode? They have an everything episode. Just pick, pick a thing and they've got an episode on it, right? Because they've got like a bazillion episodes. Um, you know, I, I'm not one of those purists that says the old stuff's the only good stuff. There are entertaining moments in the newer seasons. But usually when I'm watching, I'm watching the same seasons like two through 12, two through two through 10, two through 12, something in there. And I've watched the same episodes literally 80 plus times and i still chuckle like an idiot uh, at various lines so i, my, love, my, I love the simpsons that's it she yeah. hates it actually i mean she likes the simpsons she hates it i'll watch the same episode like six times over the course of a week and be like <laughs> <laughs> has the show held up now i think they're in like 20 something season i mean uh, like have you seen like recent ones i know the thing i like about the the show is that it's basically all the same people same voices so that helps me out. I, I love when that this continuity that way. Yeah, they're starting to change it up a little bit. And of course they are, right? It's mm-hmm. been like 30 years. You know, the show's been around forever. That's it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so, I mean, I, I mean, I could do a whole podcast about The Simpsons, but Maybe I think we will that, one day. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Uh, the big thing is just that be, when a show's around for that long, writers change. And so different people are going to like different seasons of the show because they're going to have different showrunners, different writers. Like, you know, the voices are mostly the same. Unfortunately, a couple of like big voices have passed away. Uh, the voice of Edna Kerbapel passed away, um, you know, much earlier on Phil Hartman when he passed away, that was a couple of their iconic voices and that stuff's tough. So but they do a pretty good job with the consistency. They're, they're trying to stay modern, which is important, you know, and they, it's different, but that's simply because the world is different than it was in 1989, 1990. So right, right. It better. I mean, I like a certain version of the Simpsons. I liked a certain way that they wrote it and they're not doing that right now, but I'm also not trying to make, like I, I wouldn't try to make them because I'm right. not sure it would even play as well now. Gotcha. Okay. Well, the reason why I brought up the Oscars and all that, I thought it would be interesting if we have our own little, I know it's only been a little over 10% of the big league, season so far but maybe we could have our own little uh, award slash reward ceremony go through a couple of players that we feel need to be mentioned uh but i'll take i'll take one here and i don't think i even put it on the notes but best newcomer of the week and we spoke about him last week there scott adolis garcia right for the rangers uh five home runs 12 rbi in his first 10 games he's got that 32 percent k rate We, we we talked about that you know free swinger 14 strikeouts in those first 10 games as well. But, uh, you know, 0 for 6 with a 46% whiff rate 
on off-speed pitches. So starting pitches might go after him that way. But uh, so far, 268 batting average, 22% barrel rate. That's going to adjust, of course. Even as two stolen base attempts. So fun kind of player to watch and enjoying his uh, nice start while it lasts. And he's getting every day at bats for now. And I thought he'd be a good choice for best newcomer of the week. Yeah, no, I think that's a great one. And the other thing is, I think the playing time is going to keep coming because Leody Tavares has just really struggled. Uh, you know, so I think they're going to keep putting Garcia out in the outfield. I think he's got the athleticism to continue to play center for them. Uh, they're a team that's that's sort of hot still. And when I say hot, I don't mean like hottest in baseball. I just mean like compared to what I thought they would be, which was awful, right? And right, they've been right. not awful a lot more than, than I thought they would. So um, they're going to keep rolling him out there. And as long as he hits just a little bit, he needs to improve his his uh, his strikeout rate. I mean, that's going to have to happen. You know that pitchers are going to start attacking him with more off-speed pitches, and he will probably start to strike out more. The key, of course, will be seeing how does he adapt to that. Right. He doesn't have to do it right away, but keep watching. If you can get eyes on him, get eyes on him. See, is he just flailing at breaking balls in the dirt, or is he is he fighting off breaking balls? Those are the kinds of things I want to see. So that's kind of what I'm – going to be watching for him but ultimately yeah i mean he's just been excellent this week and i think until he can continue to be a useful player in a lot of formats mm-hmm. next category best slumping player to buy low right now and uh guys i put on the rundown and you could if you have somebody else that you want to talk about feel free uh, i thought uh, lourdes guriel might be a good person to put in this category jeff mcneil and brandon lau so uh, we talked about trying to buy low and it, it's hard these days because our fellow league mates are just so smart, <laughs> have so much information uh, at their fingertips. So of the three, is there one that sticks out to you in terms of somebody that you feel? I mean, these guys have, have hit in the past, but anybody that you think that might be the guy? So I, I think the one thing that we have to keep in mind here is that, I, I mean, I, I'm going to pick Lord Scurriel. Mm-hmm. And that's because coming into the season, I really liked the talent. I think that he is going to get playing time. I think that he can be very good, but I don't want to make it sound like there's something I see in his profile that that's going to fix, right? Like his stat cast data is terrible right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's expected batting average. All oh, It's terrible. And I really like the point you made about how smart our league mates are because they are right. Like most people are going to look at a bad number and, or, you know, at least to some degree, they're going to do something to be like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to sell low. Right. But, the key is to try to find guys that you believe in. Maybe you see something, maybe you've dug extra deep and there's something you see that you like, but the stat cast numbers are still bad, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the guys to trade for because people will think that, you know, they might be selling low, but they're going to think there's no hope, right? right. And they might give them to you for pennies on the dollar because the initial underlying metrics look terrible. And it's scary to see a guy with bad underlying metrics on one hand. On the other hand, it can pre- present a buying opportunity. And that is one that I that I think I like the most because I think what, especially when he's hitting he's going to play. Yeah, yeah, and you're right about his Statcast data. I, I'm I was looking, lost almost three miles per hour on his exit velocity since last season. Barrel rate is just four point five. Last season was eleven point seven. Oddly enough, has consistently had trouble hitting fastballs throughout his career. Surprisingly good at hitting off speed stuff, and. I love what you said about you like the fact that his stat cast data is 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 off because it might allow you to grab him at a lower price. 
right? Because if his stat cast had appointed to you know, like <laughs> something like a big rebound, then it might be more difficult to buy him low. Yeah, and actually, I want to talk about his teammate on that exact thread, right? So, you know, I'm sorry, not his teammate. I want to talk about um, Dom Smith for the okay, Mets. Sure. Neil's teammate. Uh, what I re- and the reason is because on one hand, I do think he's a bounce back candidate. His stat lines are, are pretty bad right now, but his expected stats, his stat cast stuff is off the charts. Mm-hmm. He's hitting the ball really hard. His expected slugging is better than Freddie Freeman, J.D. Martinez. Yerman Mercedes, Vlad Jr. Wow. He ranks above all those guys. His, his expected slugging is like 12th, right? Mm-hmm. Now, on one hand, it's easy for me to say, oh, that's your buy low candidate. The stats are bad, but stack has is really good, so we'll get it. But uh, like at, at least half your league probably knows how to like Google the words like Dom Smith stat cast <laughs> and pull up and look at the little summary at the top and see how many of those circles are red. Right, right. right. And when they do that, they're going to say, I don't want to sell. Because then they think that they're selling low and that they're going to be able to you know, get more later, right? That's the thing is, is trading is not about how well they've actually done. It's all about perception for the future. That's what you're trading. You're trading, I think he'll be better than the player I'm trading you in the future or, or as good, right? And I just need that position. So with Dom Smith, on one hand, I really like that. You know, he is hitting the ball hard. I do think he can rebound. There's a little bit of playing time issues there just because the Mets have a lot of players, but guys keep getting hurt over there. So it's hard to say exactly how much he's going to play. But I do also think that he'll be really hard to trade for because anyone that goes to StatCast is going to see that he is hitting the ball hard and things are going to get better. So they're going to keep waiting to sell if they even have any desire to sell. They're going to keep waiting until his production more closely resembles his quality of contact. Right. Okay. So why don't we move over to uh, the next category? Best currently raking rookie. (laughs) Try saying that fast three times, right? That you'd recommend targeting uh, for the rest of the season, you know, dynasty leagues, trade targets. Uh, I I put Jazz Chisholm in this, your buddy Akil Badu, and a Yerman Mercedes, all three having nice seasons. But who do you think that, I mean, you're going to pay for them too. It's not like that, you know, that, that in a trade that you're going to be able to get them uh, at a discount or whatnot. But rest of season, who do you trust? So, I mean, Chisholm has by far the most pedigree of these players. And if I was just picking them and, hey, I've got all three on my roster somehow because I was extremely active week one. Uh, or an absolute soothsayer in the draft room, um, it's Chisholm, right? He's got the highest, he's probably got the highest ceiling for 2021 of all these players. But in terms of trade candidates, no one is going to trade you Jazz Chisholm, not for anything you'd actually want to pay, right? I mean, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't trade him for anything that I thought would be reasonable. I'm not in the I'm not in the business of making reasonable trades for a young player like Jazz Chisholm who's raking. Akil Badu, on the other hand, is a guy you could trade for because that strikeout rate looks atrocious. And it's because mm-hmm. what happened is they started throwing him more breaking balls. Yeah, absolutely expected. Right. And then he struggled pretty mightily against them. Absolutely expected. But what's happening is he's getting better. Now, you can see that a bit when you're watching the games. He's fighting off breaking balls instead of just missing them. Now, he's actually hitting a couple of them. He got I watched one game where he got a double and a single uh, that he fought off low breaking balls. And that and that's excellent. Right. Because pitchers are trying to throw those. They they're trying to give him the low breaking ball and he did something with it. That's the change. That's why he's a guy where you know someone might be willing to trade him because he's still got a strikeout rate darn near 40%. Yep. So 
that's one. And then I'd also consider trading for your Mercedes. Now, StatCast fully support, well, not fully, because his actual production has been insane. But StatCast suggests that he's been very good. And I think a lot of people will think that they're selling high, like his value will never be more than this. And I don't think that's true, because I think the more data we get that supports that he can be a very good hitter, that's when his value will be the highest. Because I think people will give you a very reasonable price on your Mercedes if you're like me and believe that he can continue to be a very good hitter. Like, not this good. I mean, because come on, like how many players hit this well for the course of a whole season that aren't named like Trout or Acuna? But I do think there's a lot of talent here. I, I think that he's making excellent contact and that there's... There's plenty of value here, and I think you can trade a lesser player for him. Yep, good point. What do you think about Badu? And also a great point about Badu that Tigers are leaving him in the lineup, and and he's actually better against off-speed pitches, benefiting from staying in the lineup, right? Do you think that they're going to be as patient with him against left-handed pitching? I know, I know it's only eight at-bats, but 0 for 8, 6 strikeouts against left-handed pitching. And like I said, great point on your part. How is a, a batter going to get better if you don't allow him to hit against more off-speed pitches and hit more against left-handed pitching? I mean, you guys are going to get tired of hearing me say this, but guys that didn't even go to double A are going to struggle against the toughest things. And what's the toughest thing for a lefty in the big leagues? Hitting other lefties. Like we, we've got whole... We've got whole roles, the loogie, that's simply because lefties are really good at getting other lefties out. I think that they'll be patient to an extent because he's going to be on the roster all season, right? Because if he's not, he's got to go back to the twins and the Tigers aren't going to do that. They, they've got no interest in giving back this player who's shown so much and who's been such a spark plug for that team, giving him back to a division rival, right? Well, I mean, it's hard to be a rival when you're terrible right now, but I mean, that's the Tigers. So I think they are going to protect him against the really tough lefties because on one hand, how does a player get better unless they do it? On the other hand, how do you take a ninth grader and put him in a calculus class? That they've got no, and they never took trigonometry, right? Like that's, that's the thing. It's not as though that ninth grader isn't smart enough to do calculus. It's that they don't have some of the underlying skills. They didn't go through the couple classes that are prereqs, right? So that's really, I think what we're seeing with Badu is they're going to continue to control who he faces to some extent because he needs some confidence. He needs more bats. He needs more practice and throwing him out there against a really tough lefty, I think is just unfair to Badu who didn't even go to, again, did not go to double A yet. (laughs) Right. Like he's only faced single A pitchers who are nothing like major league pitchers. Right. Like it's just you don't you don't see that. So that's what's going to be tough. They're going to continue to protect him. But I think as the season goes on, as he continues to build those prerequisites, you might say he will get more time against them, but not yet. Right. OK. Moving right along. Best veteran pitcher currently enjoying a resurgence for a uh, rest of season. Uh, I had Michael Pineda on here, Steven Matz, and Danny Duffy. Three pitchers that have been around and have had success in the past, but really raking right now. I mean, they're they're all pitching well. Now, here's the thing. I've got very little faith in Danny Duffy or Steven Matz. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're pitching fine for now, but I, I'm not seeing it. Like, it's not like their stuff is a whole lot better. I mean, Matz is getting a lot more uh, success from his fastball. But other than that, like he's and he's throwing the I mean, he's throwing the fastball a little less, which might actually be helping it by mixing in his other pitches. But like they're not showing this like amazing new skill that I, I'm just loving to death. Right. And I think Pineda is the best of those three simply because he is pretty good at pitching. He just doesn't pitch 
right? right? He just gets hurt. So that'll be the problem. Actually, the guy that really stood out to me because he is doing something different is Nathan Eovaldi, right? So he's pitching, I mean, really well for the Red Sox right now. Everybody knows about the velocity, right? 100 mile an hour guy. It doesn't move a ton. And his he's always had two issues. The first is health. And I, I can't say I can't speak anything to that. Right. Like usually these guys get older, they don't get healthier. But at the same time, you know, I'm not aware of any underlying injury right now, which is good. Number two, we're seeing something different that he hasn't given up a home run yet. Right. And that's been a huge issue for Evaldi. He throws that ball really hard. And that means when guys hit it, it comes back really hard. Right. And he was giving up a lot of like not necessarily a ton, but more than he should in terms of balls in the air. And a bunch of those kept leaving the park. Right now, this season, he's dramatically improved that ground ball rate. And I wish I could tell you exactly why I haven't dug quite that deep yet. I intend to. Uh, and maybe we'll have someone write it going deep on it soon. But he's got a fifty nine point four percent ground ball rate. And wow. if Eovaldi can continue to force ground balls and try to mitigate the home run stuff. Like he's not going to go through a season with zero home runs. That's not a thing. But if he can just get an average home run rate, like just not 1.5, right? 1.6. If he can have an average home run rate, there's a good pitcher here. I don't know if it's top 50, right? Because, you know, strikeouts, the strikeouts are up right now. I don't know how long they'll stay that way. He's been sort of come and go on strikeouts. Um, He's not walking a ton of guys, but if he can keep the ball on the ground when guys hit it, there's a good pitcher here. There's a mid to high three, you know, maybe even mid to low threes, but more realistically mid threes to, you know, 3.7 ERA decent strikeouts on a team. That's not as bad as it looked originally. Right. So that to me would be the big one. A lot of people have been waiting on it. The only thing I'll say is if you're projecting more than 140 innings, you are being extremely aggressive because 140 would be real good (laughs) for Eovaldi. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. He was a good guy to bring up, and uh, as a, he he was a Yankee, and there were days where he was just unhittable, and there were other days where he just totally lost it. But uh, but you bring up a great point in terms of him throwing, uh, inducing more ground balls. And Danny Duffy was an interesting guy when I when I was looking for notes on him. You're right; he really hasn't done much different, but it's kind of like a, a mental change that he's gone through. I think that just being through COVID really, he did a lot of, I was just reading, he was doing a lot of self-evaluation, listening to self-help podcasts, working on his battles with anxiety. So, you know, it might just be something where his head is just in the right space right now. And he's also, I think, going to be a free agent too. So I guess he figures, hey, I better pitch well this year. That (laughs) stuff is so hard to quantify. It's so hard. But the thing is, it can also be extremely important. We do not have stat cast data available for um, mental stability. Right. right? We don't have them. But it's incredibly important. I mean, any if you've played any kind of sport, anything that's competitive – the, the mental side, the stuff that doesn't show up in the stat sheet, that yeah. stuff is extremely important. So that's good information. Now, I'm still going to sit here and say I'm not crazy about it because I'm not seeing new skills. And ultimately, his stuff and his command aren't so good that all he needed was to get his head straight because, like, he also – he's – he could be a mediocre guy, a straight like at this point, he looks like a streamer where a year or two ago he looked like never add. Right. You know what I mean, so right, right. so that's I mean, that's a big lift. But at the same time, you know, I'm still probably much more interested in Eovaldi and then to a lesser extent, um, Pineda, just because Pineda does have skills. He's just, you know, hurt all the time. Right. OK. 
uh, moving along. Best prospect that's going to be called up. Uh, Super 2 has passed, uh, and so now we're going to start to see some of these prospects being called up. And the uh, first guy that I had on the list, Alex Kirilov, was actually called up on Friday, making his uh, second start on Saturday. And like I said, that's when we're recording this. I also had Jared Kellenick and Julio Rodriguez from the Mariners. I put Joe Adele on and Brandon Marsh and, and Wanda Franco. Great, great players, right? Any of these, like, really that you, you, you can't wait to see or that you think might just pop once they're called up? Obviously, like, almost all of these players are, are incredible. They've got a ton of potential, ton of promise, right? So I, I don't want to make it sound like I, I don't like any of these. I like all of them. Right. The ones that I'm targeting for redraft leagues right now are, one, Jared Kellenick. I, I think he's the one that's going to be the biggest impact of all these guys because I do think he comes up sooner. I mean, they – He's probably going to come up like a couple weeks into the AAA season because their owner said some stupid things. Right. And to make sure they don't get, you know, un- to make sure they don't lose a bunch of arbitration cases, they need to actually put him in the minors for a little while. But, you know, I think Kellenick's really the one I want if I can stash him at all I am. Um, I want to say Franco next, but also the Rays don't need him right now. I mean, like they got, the Rays just keep doing Rays stuff, having Joey Wendell hit third. And back great. Like that's that's just a classic raise wizardry, right? I don't know what they do over there, what they put in the water, but so <laughs> he might not be, you know, he's obviously he's the number one prospect in baseball. I think he's gonna be an amazing hitter. I just don't know when. So he's hard to stash because it's truly a question mark. Whereas at least I know about when Kellenick's gonna come up. If it's a little earlier, that's great. But at the latest, it'll be like three weeks into the minor league season. The you know, the rest of the guys again, all all sound great. I mean, I think Brandon Marsh is the next one to come up for the Angels and over Adele because Adele really does need work in AAA. It's not lip service, right? We saw him last year. He just is really struggling uh, in certain phases of the game. And those are the kinds of things you want to fix in the minors because you don't have to pinch hit for him in the minors, right? You can just let him out there. So I do think Marsh is next. I think Marsh has a lot of talent. Uh, you know, it's just they've they've got some they've got a weird situation in L.A. in that. Pujols is still on the roster and he's still going to play a couple times a week. Otani's DH only, right? Uh, you know, Walsh has been great out there, right? So, you know, as far as a left-handed bat and he can play outfielder first. So they, they're really jammed up on the places that they could put Marsh. But at the same time, I do think he's next one up. He's interesting too. I just don't know if I'm stashing him because even if he comes up and hits well, how often does he play, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's hard to stash a guy whose upside looks like four games a week. So right. it, to me, it's like Kellenic and then other guys are interesting, but not the same. Uh, it doesn't have the same draw because they don't have the same immediacy of impact. Right. Moving right along. And we might have gotten some information today on Saturday that uh, will influence what we're going to say here next. But best pitcher coming back from Tommy John surgery this season, Luis Severino, Chris Sale, Noah Syndergaard. And uh, I'm sure you've heard that Syndergaard, Mets are pretty adamant that he's going to be back on the field in June, actually uh, face live batters for the first time today, the day that we're we're recording on April 24th, throwing the ball at 97 miles per hour. But Chris Sale had that little uh, neck stiffness that he was dealing with in in December, also battled COVID. And Severino, I believe from what I'm hearing, somewhere around July, but... uh, Who's your favorite out of here? So I, I guess it depends on your needs, 
right? So the more shallow the league, the less you care about raw volume, right? Because you can just stash a guy on the IL. And what you really need in those shallower leagues is better quality per inning, right? And to me, that's sale. Because if any of these guys strikes out 13 guys per nine in their 75 to 100 innings, it's sale, right? Like if you told me one of them did it, it's sale. And I'm not even, probably wouldn't even look, right? I just, I would know it was sale. His, his skills are amazing. Now he had a rough 2019, but before he got hurt, we weren't that worried, right? A lot of the underlying stuff was still okay. He dealt with some home run problems, but that was really weird that he had those home run problems. And, and I'm not sure I'd expect them to return. So, you know, sale to me is the one I want in terms of like quality of inning. Now, the thing is, I think he and Severino, the projections right now usually say like somewhere between 70 and 75 innings. And that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think even when they come back, they're not going to pitch a ton of innings. We also know that, you know, command is a little slower to come back after you've had Tommy John. So right. you know, there could be some issues there. I mean, luckily, I think sale has the best stuff of those guys. So if his command's a little off, he can still survive maybe a little better than Severino. My big issue with Severino isn't the talent. We've ranked him like back, you know, back in his heyday, we were ranking him inside the top 10 at starting pitcher, right? The issue with Severino is it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, I mean, really, it's been quite a while for sale too, but it's been a while and it's not like he has the same track record. So that's just my thing is we haven't seen him in two seasons, right? So ah, well, what I don't know what to expect when he comes back. It, right. It's a question mark. I think he'll, of course, he can be good. But I don't know what I don't know what the, the floor is anymore. Mm-hmm. So this thing, Syndergaard, I think the deeper the league, the more it becomes Syndergaard. Simply because he's going to pitch more. I, I think he'll be better than he was in 2019. I, I mean, none of these guys were were useful in 2019 for whatever reason. But um, with Syndergaard, he's going to pitch the most. I like hearing the velocity still there. We know he's got some nasty stuff. Um, the Mets could probably use another pitcher. So I see why they want to get him out there. Once he's throwing full games, he'll play. That, that's the best for deep leagues because you just need the volume. You're, you want that extra 30 innings. They matter a lot more because the replacement level on those 30 innings is terrible in a 15-team league versus like a 10 or 12. You can find 30 good innings. Yeah. Uh, Mets getting back Syndergaard and then Carrasco, DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Carrasco if all three are healthy. Oh, my. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so scary for a Yankee fan. Uh, as we wind down, I'll give you a chance. First ever – Hacks and Jack's Lifetime Achievement Award, Albert Pujols, your boy, Miggy Cabrera, or Nelson Cruz? Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> they're tough. all, I mean, he's, I, I, I mean, Pujols and Miggy for sure are probably first ballot Hall of Fame guys. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, just two of the best right-handed hitters that we've seen in a very, very long time. And the only reason I'm not saying ever is because, you know, when you, when you really look at the, you know, the, the annals of history for baseball, there's been amazing right-handed hitters and and all these guys are great. Cruz is obviously, he's like the best, he's the best one of them right now by far. looks like he can play for another five years, right? (laughs) I mean, he's, he's got this, he's having this like, uh, David Ortiz like exit where everyone says, I don't want to be the one holding the bag. And then they, there is no bag to hold. He just, he just retires. Good. Right. Like that, that's amazing. I'm going to pick Miggy partially because I just love him uh, so much. I, not just because he's been, you know, he's got uh, two MVPs and a triple crown and, and all that stuff, but also because he's, you know, how fun he is for the game. 
-hmm. right? Like you can watch endless videos of Miggy messing with guys at first. And also I do want to say one of my favorite things about Miguel Cabrera is that, you know, we were, we think of him now as this joyful, happy guy, like loves baseball. There was a time when that was not true. His early days with the Tigers, he was really struggling with some, you know, personal demons. And at one point they took him out, they made him, you know, they made him go and do some treatment stuff, uh, took him out for a little while. He came back and, you know, from then on, you know, at least for half a decade, he was the best right-handed hitter in baseball. Uh, it was just amazing to see that turnaround because he was always good, right? They knew he was good, but he really made this step from good to great to Hall of Famer in right. a very short amount of time. Really cool. I mean, just I love everything about his story. Of course, with Pujols, he's just he's just great. I remember one of my first stories of talking, you know, when I first got into doing fantasy, I'm watching this game with my friend who played real baseball, but doesn't really watch much pro baseball, doesn't do fantasy. We're sitting there. We're in Wrigleyville. We're watching this game from a from a bar or whatever. And uh, it's like the ninth or tenth inning. Um, it's in St. Louis. He's, you know, Bulls is still a cardinal. And all I say to my friend is, I was like, you might not know much about baseball, but all you need to know is this guy, Pujols, up to the dish. Uh, you know, the winning, he's the winning run. I said, I, I don't think they should pitch to him. And he's like, well, they've got guys in first and second. I was like, yeah, don't pitch to him. Just, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, let someone else, let someone else beat you. And they didn't. And he absolutely cranked it. He you know, hit a home run in that at bat. My buddy's like, you know a lot about baseball. I was like, I don't, but that was really lucky and easy, right? It, it did a lot of it. Did not take a lot of knowledge back then to say, Pools might hit a home run here because he did that a lot. Yeah, that's like uh, reminds me real quick. Uh, I went to a uh, a Phillies game a few years back. Paul Goldschmidt was still on the Diamondbacks, and he came up to the plate, and I was telling my son, "This guy's really good." Next pitch, boom, home run. Maybe look. Like I knew what I was talking about, right? Yeah, I mean it's, it's great. Like you can, you don't have to be watching much. And I, you know, a number of times I've been sitting at a bar, and you know, there's a Mets game on for whatever reason, and they're like, uh, "Wow, this pitcher looks like he's pretty good." I look up, it's like it's Degrom. I'm like, "Yeah, he is." <laughs> well, great stuff, Scott. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. You have another match coming up, right, in a few hours. Yeah, I got uh, eight eight thirty, right, and hopefully by then I found some way to make my body stop hurting. Curling, curling is a physically demanding sport when uh, you're when you've only got three and you're playing lead. That's the guy who throws first. That means I do a lot of sweeping. And uh, it's not just it's not just rubbing something on the ice. You're really pushing, you're really digging. And I am not fit. I don't know how you people, looking, <laughs> but it's not terribly fit. And uh, my arms, my legs, my back, my, everything hurts. So we'll see how much I, I can get back, how much juice I can get back in four hours. All right, well, go grab a hot shower, and uh, again, appreciate you juggling your schedule. Great stuff today, as always, from you. want to thank everyone for allowing us to visit with them. We hope you were informed and entertained, because that's our goal. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? You can follow me, at Joe Galina. Follow Scott, at If The Chew Fits. You can follow the podcast, at Hacks and Jacks PL, and uh, also follow, at Pitcher List Pods, and you'll be informed Anytime that a new episode drops for any of the great podcasts on the Pitcher List Podcast Network debut, uh, subscribe to Hacks and Jacks on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a great five-star review. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>